Praise the Lord. I'm so glad I'm part of his story tonight. And he's part of mine. God bless you. Let's turn to St. John chapter 4, if you would. With great desire, I have desired to eat this supper with you tonight. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And thou saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask for your help and divine intervention that you would come by this way tonight, Lord, and move us from this hillside, move us from this building, as it were. May we venture out into the mystery of godliness. And we know, Father, into that sphere we need a guide. It is not a place that man can take us, theologians or teachers, but it must be the divine himself. So we pray that you would help us tonight, Lord Jesus. As we have heard the songs sang and Prayers have been made, and now we come to the opening of the pages of your life, the book. We ask for your leadership, for your quickening power to make the word real to each of our hearts. Minister to us tonight, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. St. John 4, 23. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Remember the setting is Jacob's well. The woman has pointed up to the mountain and said, Our fathers say, Up there is where you're supposed to worship. But you all say, Jerusalem is where you're supposed to worship. But Jesus redefines the place that worship will be held. It's not in Jerusalem. It's not in Mount Gerizim. It's not in Johnson City. It's not in Elizabeth. It's not in Phoenix. It's not in Tucson. Nor in Jeffersonville. It's in spirit and in truth. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father 
seeketh such to worship him. Now, this could not have happened, of course, until this present time of where Jesus now breaks the dispensation. If you notice his terms here, the way that he says it, the hour cometh and now is. So there is a partial unfolding in the now is and a further unfolding in the hour that cometh. The Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, or as the original is, God is spirit, pneuma, which is spirit, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, remember as we looked at this the last time that God is now introducing a, a, a different dispensation than what the Old Testament could ever produce in that all the sacrifices, all the blood, all the peace offerings, all the things that were given in the Old Testament were types and shadows, natural symbols of a spiritual something that one day would unfold, which now was fixing to come to pass. And the Godhead is going to be further revealed as the Lord Jesus is now on the earth. And we know that the Trinitarians, which probably many of us have our background there as being Trinitarians, and probably many of you was like me, you didn't even understand it when you sent it. Uh, many of them don't understand it now. But yet the real Trinitarian concept, it was never, never uh, <clears throat> believed in the Old Testament. It was never believed in the first apostolic era whenever the apostles were the ones who introduced this, certainly not projected by the Lord Jesus himself. But after Arianism and then coming the Trinitarian Council, of course, of 325 AD, after Arianism projected that the Lord Jesus was actually less than God, that he was uh, something, a byproduct of God, and God took that byproduct and then created other things out of that. Then the other defense was coming on the other side under the gathering of the Nicene Council, so they divided the Godhead into three parts. So it was a Father, a Son, and a Holy Ghost. Now they are three separate, distinct beings, yet they are all co-equal. They all have the same power. They have the same understanding. They have the same coexistence. They are all three omnipotent. They are all three omnipotent. They are all three all-knowing. So they're all three, and yet they're three separate ones, and they want to try to tell us they're all one. Well, I, I guarantee you I didn't graduate with a great uh, degree in math and biology and all kinds of things like that, but I learned it when I was pretty young in school. One plus one plus one, no matter how you add it, you still can't come up as one. Now, unless you're adding attributes, now if you're going to add attributes which are invisible, then you can add millions of them and they'll wind up to being one eternal source. Now, I have no problem with that. But if you're going to have a God the Father and a God the Son and a God the Holy Ghost, you've got three gods. I don't care how you try to add it together. That's right. 
So the Lord Jesus now wanting to bring this and remember the, the first person on the earth as far as we know that ever hears this is not a theologian, it's not a preacher, it's not Peter, it's not James or John, but it is a woman with a badly messed up life. A woman that we would never even consider sharing the mystery on of God with. Most of us wouldn't even give her the time of day. We're not even sure she'd be savable. But aren't you glad we can be wrong about who is and who ain't? So the Lord Jesus now breaking this mystery of the Godhead to a candidate that would seem very, very unlikely. So he goes into this now, and let me read it again. God is a spirit. So it is El, Elah, Elohim. El, Elah, Elohim. Now we know, of course, that the Hebrew writes from the right to the left. Now in the Greek of course in the English it is God is a spirit but in the Hebrew it would actually be the other way. El is pneuma. So it is pneumatic which is life giving or vitality or the source of life is Elah. Now he's introducing an aspect about the eternal that the Old Testament simply never reflected. Notice now he says, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So here is not the second person of the Godhead telling us about the first person of the Godhead. But what we're hearing now is actually the Son of God, not God the Son, but the Son of God, or if it'll help you understand it better, it is the humanity of God going to tell us about the incarnation of God. There is the Father and the Son in those two descriptive terms. Now God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So now remember it's not God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Ghost. Now all three of them equal in power, all three of them sharing divine counsel, all three of them sharing divine ability to do this and that and the other, and you would take one or take the other or take the other, and all three of them would have all of this omnipotence, and neither one of them actually needs the other. They are self-existent, yet they are coexistent. That sounds like an absolute mess to me. Now, what's this? So it's not God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Ghost. So this is not God the Son in the term of the Trinitarian view talking, but it is the Logos of God in human form describing He who is indwelling His human tent. Praise be to God. Now, there is no such a thing as eternal sonship. Son has a beginning. There is no such a thing as eternal sonship. 
But only as a man could the Lord Jesus be our advocate, be our mediator, be our high priest, be our atonement, and become the chemistry of blood that was needed to fully redeem us because God as spirit cannot die. So it must be the Son of God or the humanity of God that will take our place. So God must become into a lower form, a human form, uh, an element of humanity in order to pay the penalty of death. So Jesus actually is going to offer himself. Now let me just explain to you this way. By, by the human mind, it would be easier to be trained Trinitarian, or to be Tunis, or to be Jesus only, than it would be to be right. It'd be easier to be Trinitarian by your mind now, by intellectual faith. Let me say it again. It would be easier to be Trinitarian or to be too Lord, as some of the message folks are, or it would be easier humanly to be Jesus only than it was to be right. But I've been Jesus only, and I've been Trinitarian. I ain't never been too Lord, and I really don't have no desire to be. So I figure if there's one part of mess that I can miss out, let me miss out on something anyway. I was so messed up anyhow, and I'll go ahead and say amen for the rest of it because y'all was too. So, you know, if I've been there and been there myself, I'd rather end up at least in my old age being right. I mean, my younger days, I wasn't. And a lot of my middle age, maybe I wasn't. But at least before I leave this world, please, Lord, can I be right? Can I be right before I die? Anybody want to be right with me? So humanly, you can see why that people would read the Bible or they would even people on the message. And friends, I'm convinced there are many folks that are sitting in message churches, listen to the prophet preach, and they do not to this very day still understand the Godhead. And they will never understand who they are without an understanding of the Godhead itself. Never, never understand it. And I know that people say, well, you know, there's no need for me to understand. The devil is telling you that. He is telling you that because he knows there is a key to you seeing who you are once you see who Jesus was, who he became, and who he is now. Right. Now, notice then, as the Son of God, He will offer to God the Spirit, the Father, the invisible. He will offer His body as a spotless lamb. Now, God the Father cannot die because God is a spirit. Now, I know we say, well, God died on the cross. Metaphorically, that's true, but in reality, that is not true. The eternal cannot die. God was smote in the image that the image might take the penalty of death and release all the rest of us that was born under the penalty and take us from the penalty. Praise God. Amen. And one under the penalty of death could not be able to take the penalty from the rest of those who were under the penalty themselves. So there must come one that will look like everybody else. 
He will talk like everybody else in a sense. He will look like them. He will be so much human that he can suffer. He can cry. He can do all that yet not born actually under the penalty of death in order to pay the price to remove the penalty of death from the rest of those in his Lamb's book. Now, so as, as the Son of God, he will then offer this penalty, pay this penalty through the price that will be given on the cross and God in the form of spirit could not die on the cross. So now, keep in mind that when we're talking about the Son of God, that it's not a little boy, here's this old man sitting in heaven, this is Father God, and then here's this younger guy sitting over to the side and they have this talk and the old man looks at the younger guy and said, look, will you care to go down and be able to redeem my people and if you don't want to it's fine I have no problem and the young guy looks over and said really do I have to daddy I mean you know this is really going to be a major problem and honestly I don't want to do it and, you know this, this great thing is going on in heaven here's this old man and here's this younger guy and they're conversing back and forth back and forth absolute heathenism idolatry God is not a man God is a spirit There was not an eternal son in heaven. God did not die on the cross, nor did an eternal person come from heaven in human form. An eternal body never gave eternal blood on a cross. Now, if you believe that, you believe in God the Son, which makes you at least a tunis. What, 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 Brother Donnie, what was it that died on the cross? The Son of God, not God the Son. You see, God the Son taking him from up there that he pre-existed in that body. He never done any such a thing. That body had a day it started. It had a day it died. Come on now, church. Now, you Jesus only, you might as well just lay aside your doctrine too. Now, what's this? So it was not eternal blood from an eternal body to be able to pay an atonement, but it was Jesus, the humanity of God, the Son of God, that would give his human body by subjecting his own created human will to the divine supernatural will of the Father which lived in him. Praise be to God. So Jesus offered his own human body, not the second person in the Godhead coming down, and the second person in the Godhead, the eternal person, coming down and his own body that was there in heaven. That body never existed in heaven. It does now, but it didn't before then. Hallelujah. Oh my, let's dig in tonight, shall we? Now notice that the, the Trinitarians try to take the prayers of the Lord Jesus and use them to prove to us that there is more than one person in the Godhead because who was Jesus praying to? So actually though, by revelation, we're able to take Jesus' prayers and totally refute 
Trinitarianism. Not substantiated. All you say, well, who did he pray to? Who do you pray to? How many has the Holy Ghost tonight? So do you pray to a God a million miles away from you? Or do you pray to that deity which lives inside of you? Now what's this? So there was not two persons, which was a person God. Remember, God is invisible. So God is not a person in the sense of the way that we would think. So they tried to project it then that here was this person on the earth, Jesus, which was the second person of the Godhead. And then there was this other person up still left up in heaven. And this second person prayed to the first person. Well, if they both got the same power, why does the all-powerful eternal son have to ask the eternal father for anything? Prayer makes no sense if you've got two co-equals and one co-equal is asking the other co-equal for help. Prayer is an inferior asking a superior to help the inferior with supernatural power from the superior. Oh, glory be to God. When you and I get down to pray, I'm going to rock your boat a little bit now. When you and I get down to pray, those of you who have received the Holy Ghost, do you realize your deity, Lord of mercy, your deity, that part of you which has crossed over, it never asks your humanity for anything. It is not your deity that is actually praying. It is your humanity praying to the deity that is embodied in you when the Lord Jesus was praying to the Father it was the humanity of God praying to the supernatural indwelling presence of God that lived in that human tabernacle Amen. The humanity of the Son of God never asked the humanity of the Son of God for anything. The Son of God is not asking himself, Son, will you help me? Now, if he was co-eternal, if he was co-existent, and they all three have the same power, why pray, Jesus? Oh my. So we don't have three persons that are coexistent, co-eternal, and they all three share the same power. But actually we have an inferior on the earth, which is the embodiment of the superior. But he acts so inferior that the devil was confused his entire life. Me and Carol just heard it the other day. Listen to those which come up the road. And Brother Ram said, the devil never did believe that he was truly the son of God. Don't you understand he had to do this in such a way and put on the actor's garment that Satan would not know what he was doing. What's this in 1 Timothy 3.16? And without controversy, great is the mystery of of godliness. I love this word mystery. The Greek word is mysterion. And it means, listen to this, hidden thing, secret, 
religious secrets confided only to the initiated. Not to ordinary mortals, a hidden or secret thing. You see, that's why I told you it's easier to be a Trinitarian or a two-lord or a Jesus only than it is to really understand because only the initiated will ever be able to enter into the mystery of godliness. This is not something that we get just by listening to Brother Branham. This is not something you get by listening to me or any other preacher. This is not something you get just by reading your Bible. You can only get this by him who initiates into the mystery itself. You might try to explain it to your children. I might try to explain it to you as your pastor. But really God is the only one that can reach up there and turn the light on. And when he does it, you see it and nobody can take it from you. And until he does, you'll scratch your head and you'll try to read and you'll try to figure it out. And you'll bounce back and forth between this scripture and that scripture and be confused. Why? Because you need to be initiated. And you can only be initiated by the Holy Ghost himself. Which is not the third person of the Godhead, but the same person made manifest in another attribute. Amen. Amen. Then once you get it, you can look back and say, oh, praise God, I can see there ain't three gods. It's the same God manifested all the time. Why? You're baptized into the mystery of godliness itself. So from inside the mystery, looking back at the scriptures, it makes perfect sense. On the outside of the baptism and the mystery, you look at it, oh, it's confusing. I can't understand. Well, I hear Brother Donnie preaching, I see what he's saying, and I hear my professor at school talk about Trinity, and I believe what he said. Ah, you're out of the land of the mysterious. You need to be baptized by the Holy Ghost into the land of the mystery of where the godliness is made manifest. Well, praise God. Notice this. A hidden or secret thing not obvious to the understanding. Ah, I see. So it's not obvious to the understanding. I'm going to figure out the Godhead. I'm going to figure it out. No, you ain't. You'll wind up being Jesus only or two Lord or Trinity every time. You got to be baptized into the mystery itself. Now watch this, not obvious to the understanding, a hidden purpose or counsel, secret will of God, the secret counsels which govern God in dealing with the righteous. Ah, so now we see great is the mystery of godliness that it's not only about God condescending and paying the price in order to redeem those, but what is it? It's also the mystery of the will of God dealing with his elect or his righteous. Amen. Amen. Which are hidden from ungodly and wicked men but plain to the godly. Now notice what Paul goes on to say when without controversy great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh justified in the spirit seen of angels preached unto the Gentiles who did? God did God took a text and preached who is this preaching to the woman at the well? God may God help us step into the mystery of godliness tonight 
Now, did Jesus pray to himself? Not when you understand who he was. Jesus was both God and man. Human and divine. Totally 100% human. Now, it was not 85% God and 15% man. It was not 90-10 or 95-5. He was 100-100. He was 100% man and he was 100% God, but in two different realms. You see, in his deity, here we go, in his deity, Jesus did not pray. For God does not need to ask another God for any help. So when Jesus would pray and he would ask the Father, it's not one person asking another person. It is, it is the humanity asking the indwelling deity to help the humanity's needs. Don't you see yourself? Don't you see what it is when deity lives inside of you? As a man, Jesus did not pray to his humanity. (laughs) He prayed to God. So some of you just now you was some of you was one a while ago and now you're back to two again, ain't you? I just see you're like a cash register. One, two, three. It's all over your head. Y'all can't see it, but I can see it. Some of you go back to one, and then you go back to two, and then you go back to three. I hope some of you don't wind up being eight. Just add it all together. So Jesus in his humanity never said, Oh Jesus, thou son of God, have mercy on me. Now the people did that. But not him. But he prayed to who? The Father in behind the veil. Glory to God. Don't you understand? This is what confused them. Part of the time, it was Jesus, the man, the humanity that was talking. And part of the time, it was Christ, the Father God. I I do that sometimes. If you've got the Holy Ghost, so do you. Christ, the quickened seed, the new birth. The regenerated you will punch away God's word and by that pulsation of faith say yes God's going to do this and God's going to do that and I'm going to make it 
And then other times your humanity will say, Oh God, help me. Oh God, I'm not sure I can make it. Oh God, please, please help me. God, help me. I'm overwhelmed. Oh God, I'm drowning. Oh Lord, if you don't help me, I'm going to perish. You're bouncing back and forth between you and your Christ. You and your Father. I wish somebody would hear me tonight. You see, his humanity would pray to the one true God who existed in his body and in the universe. (laughs) Jesus' prayers came from a perfect, sinless human life not as an eternal son not as God the son but as the son of God praise be to God so he prays to the father God from his human life. Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. So it wasn't the eternal son on the earth praying to the eternal father in heaven. It was the humanity of God or the sonship of God praying to the eternal existence, living in behind the veil, asking him to help bring the flesh in subjection to the will of the invisible one. Don't you see your own life? Don't you see the mystery of your own life when you're truly born again? Oh no, when you fall and make mistakes and fall short of the glory of God and you feel so terrible about doing it, don't you understand? Your deity can never sin. Your old rotten, stinking humanity. You see, Jesus, from his human life, is praying to the incarnated one. Whoa. I'm going to say it again. Jesus, from his human life, was praying to the incarnated one, the work of incarnation in the human life. (laughs) Because prayer is based on an inferior asking help of a superior, a weaker asking help of a greater. This totally annihilates eternal sonship. Three gods existing with the same power. There was no such a thing. But the invisible Father God wanted to become a human. There has never been another one that existed like this. And the closest thing to his kind have been Holy Ghost filled saints since the day of Pentecost. 
Glory be to God. How can a one omnipotent person ask another omnipotent person for help? It makes no sense. The truth of it is it's outright foolishness. But you have an inferior, at least the tent was. Now, are you all going to tell me this is me? Huh? Now, according to the name inside this lapel, it's Cavelli, which means it was made on the lower end of China. <laughs> Don't let them Italian names trick you. But it's amazing what clothes do. Isn't it amazing, your sisters, you go to, maybe you and your husbands go out on a date, and if y'all don't do that, shame on you, you should. So you get your hair out of them rollers, and get that rag out of your head, and take a shower, and he does too, you know, once a week or three, something like that anyway. And uh, you come out, and he's kind of dressed up, and got on some nice looking blue slacks, and a blue sweater, and all that, and say, well, you look really nice. And you look her and say, boy, you, you really look nice. But in reality, the clothes themselves and the preparation changed you, right? So you didn't tell her she didn't look nice with the rollers in her hair? You didn't tell her, come on now, brother, so you ought to turn red in the face. So the tent, actually, I take on an image. Now, why do preachers have to wear suits? I don't know, but I'd like to find out the person who made that rule. I don't like suits. I don't like ties. I hate them. I'm stuck. Don't tell me God ain't got a sense of humor. But yet, when I take this off, and I will meet some of you and your children, as I met a family not long ago, and they seen me out, and I didn't have one of these on, and the little boy is looking at me like that, and his mama said, that's Brother Donnie, and he's looking at me, and he's looking at me, he asked his mama later, was that the real Brother Donnie? Now, the problem was my hair was parted on the same side. I don't have a face mask with a beard and a mustache, you know, and all of that that I wear when I'm out of the pulpit. But it was my clothes. Oh, hallelujah. You see, he saw me in a real comfortable cotton shirt and a pair of blue jeans on and a pair of Skechers on and I looked real comfortable before because I felt real comfortable but he wasn't sure if it was me or not me. Because my image, oh hallelujah, my image is so made in his mind by a suit. I hate it. This is the way I'm known. Thank you, Mr. Cavelli. So here is God's humanity and the humanity 
access to the power, the Zoe, I need your help. Please take me off. I give you myself. Take me and use me to redeem my sweetheart. So Lord willing, this weekend, you'll see me again, but not with this same suit on. Carol don't like me to wear the same one two services in a row. Now her favorite color is blue and it'll be another shade of blue. But it will be another shade of blue. Because I will take on this and I need to buy three pairs of pants actually in one coat. Since the coat's only wore five minutes. But it shapes my identity. Praise God. So the humanity was constantly, when he was here, referring to the Father. The Father this and the Father that. And those in the mysterion said, There ain't two gods. There ain't three gods. And Philip said, Show us the Father. And the father, out of the suit, said, Have I been with you so long and you didn't know who it was? Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Notice if Jesus then prays as God the Son, co-eternal, co-existent, all-powerful, the prayer... It's a fake. But he was not faking. Notice this in Luke 22, 42. Nevertheless, he says, not my will, but thine be done. So if he's the second person of the God that existed eternally, this body then this prayer is a lie. Amen. But it's humanity, the suit, praying to the one who's got the suit on, help me. Please help me. Praise God. Luke twenty-two forty-two. nevertheless not my will, but thine be done. St. John 5, 30 says, he also said that he did not seek to do his own will, but the will of the Father. Amen. Amen. Oh, my. St. John 14.28, he stated that the Father was greater than he was. My Father is greater than I. Amen. Amen. But that can't be so if you've got three eternal coexisting persons in the Godhead. How can one be greater than the other? Because oh, God's all older? How can it be older if they're all three eternal? Amen. 
So let's do this. Take the second person of the Godhead, the third person of the Godhead, which never existed in the first place. Get that out of your mind. And let's take the eternal and let's project him down in time and let him put on a tent. But different than the tent that Moses built, that tent couldn't talk. This one will. Amen. The tent that Moses made was made out of animal skins, but this tent God made out of human skin. He gave it a holy created blood. He gave it human. Oh, hallelujah. He gave it a human voice. He gave it human eyes. He even gave it a human will and made it a dual personality. Oh, glory be to God in the very same body. Jesus was not speaking as God when he said, not my will, but thine be done, but as the Son of God. Sometimes we come in here on Saturday night, the Lord burns our hide. From five minutes in, we're scorched the entire service. That's the sons and the daughters of God part that's getting trimmed up, all fixed up. Right, boy, we may come back Sunday morning. We're riding high on the clouds. You say, but what in the world's the matter, Brother Donnie? Don't blame me. I'm only the mailman. If he sends a small package on Sunday night and a little on Sunday morning or vice versa, I don't blame me. I just deliver what he puts in my mind, in my heart. One night he may speak to the humanity of us, but next night he may speak to the deity of us. Oh, hallelujah. It's up to you to know who you are. Notice Jesus in St. John 5, 19, he said, the son, can do nothing of himself. Now wait a minute. If this is the second person, the Godhead, co-eternal, co-existent, but Brother David, when he comes on the earth, he said, I can't do anything. That sounds like me. Don't you see? That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to strip himself to show you the weakest Christian, don't you dare, don't you ever dare to tell me you cannot live right. I will stand against you at the day of judgment and my voice will condemn you. My God came to this earth and lived as a man, not as a God. As a man filled with the Holy Ghost and took that word and overcome the devil and you and I can do the same thing if we want to do it. (laughs) Notice he said the son, the humanity. Do you understand the veil, the suit, the boy? (laughs) the boy the man the humanity could not heal one person 
Jesus was led by vision to the Samaritan well. Brother Bam said he didn't even know why he was there. The father led him. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to say until the woman comes up and then things start clicking together. Don't you understand? He did that on purpose. Praise God. I think we need to start a Godhead series. Well, we are. It's called the church. <laughs> That'll hit you in the morning about three. Notice he was not speaking now as God, but as the humanity or the Son of God and saying, I, I can't do anything myself. Jesus, come over here and heal me. I'd sure like to, but, but I can't. Now, if you want to know if you're Jesus only or not, see how that affects you when I say that. You don't know if you're Trinitarian or not and you believe in two gods, see how that affects you whenever I say that. If you're in the mystery on, you ought to be able to say, glory be to God, I see it. I see it. Say, don't, don't you understand why he wanted to do that, brother? And he wanted to do that to help me and you, to help all of his children, to be able to know how would we feel if he overcome as God and then tell me to overcome as a man filled with the Holy Ghost. That's not fair. It's not just. He never overcome as God. The son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the father do. For whatsoever things he doeth, this doeth the son also likewise. St. John 5, 19. So he credits the father, which is not an old man in heaven now, but the deity that lives in behind the veil. If the son were an equal person in a trinity, then he should have the same power, should he not? It should be innately within himself by an innate nature. But he says, I can't do it. Now friends, I hope this don't blow you away. But Jesus Christ walked by no doubt little crippled children. Jesus Christ went right through at the pool of Bethesda, went to people that was halt, blind, lame, crippled, all kinds of things, and come to an end, the prophet said, that had prostate trouble. You imagine walking by a little child with his limbs all twisted and contorted, and Jesus as a man looking at that child and thinking, oh, I, I, wish, I wish I could do something for him. Well, Jesus, go ahead. He said, you don't understand. I can't. Glory to God. But the father in the suit let him see a vision of a man laying somewhere, maybe brown hair, curly beard, had on a certain turban, had a certain long garment, and he saw him laying down on a couch. So Jesus just goes through walking to the crowd. Hundreds of people maybe laying there, they're here, there, there. All of a sudden he sees him. That must have been him. I said, how was that? It was, well, that's him right there. So Jesus goes over turn. Maybe there's a little crippled child there. 
Human compassion would say, you mean you would walk by that child and go to that man with prostate trouble? But the son couldn't do it within himself. Oh, Brother Donnie, you've got power to heal the sick and you, I ain't got no such a thing. Oh, Brother Terry, Brother Darkin, no, we cannot. It can only be administered as the Father will administer it through us. Oh. Notice this in Expectation 1955. The prophet said Jesus made it so simple until the weakest Christian could do it. Look, when Jesus came on earth, he was the son of God. Don't you believe that? He was conceived in the womb of Mary and born a virgin birth. Almighty God overshadowed Mary and created the blood cell that brought forth the son, Christ Jesus. And God tabernacled himself, Jehovah, in that body in his son. The father dwelt in the son not being the second person, but being the tabernacle. He was not born with that fullness in him when he come out of Mary's womb. No, didn't come to the river. Well, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. If he'd been born with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then you'd be a seed. You'd have to have it when your mama give birth to you. So he lived an ordinary human life for 30 years without the Holy Ghost. Oh, yes, I'm a teenager. I can't overcome. Jesus did as a teenager in his day without the Holy Ghost. He overcome lust. He overcome lying. He overcome everything. Come on, saints. My, my. Notice again, he said, but Jesus was here on earth. All the power that was in God was in him, for he was God manifested in the flesh. God made human in the body of his son, Christ Jesus, tabernacled here. For the Bible said God was in Christ. The father was in his son, representing his love to the people here on the earth. So the son could bleed. The son could die. The son could scream in pain and agony. But you can't kill the father God. Again, he said, this day that we're living where they're trying to make Jesus just a prophet, see? He was a good man, a teacher, philosopher, prophet. I believe he was God. Absolutely and worth deity, almighty God unveiled in flesh, born of virgin birth, he and his self. <laughs> and then God came down and tabernacled in him and made him Emmanuel. Now he was that scripture when he was born, but not the full manifestation until the river. You see, you were the seed of God when you come upon the earth and that gene was laying in you dormant, but you had to be born again. When are you ever going to recognize what born again was that seed? That's what never sinned in the first place. Notice paradox. Jesus did the works of his father because the father was in him. That's why the works was done, because the father was in the son. Do you believe that? Congregation says, Amen. 
incarnate God. Do you believe that? That God the Father, which is the Father of Jesus Christ, the Great Spirit, dwelt in the fullness of his power in Jesus Christ, which was the tabernacle of God made flesh on earth, representing the Word. Jesus was... Oh! You mean Jesus wasn't a, a man in heaven? You're afraid to answer, aren't you? (laughs) Jesus was not a man in heaven before he come on the earth. No more than I was. I pre-existed, but not as a human. Lord, the mercy some of you are looking at me like I got egg on my face, and you know better than that, I hate eggs. What was he before he was man? Word! What was you before you was man? Jesus was the Word. The Bible said so, St. John, the first chapter. And the words was invisible. Now listen close, the Word was invisible until it was made flesh. Then the Word became visible. And through his sacrificial death at Calvary and resurrection, positionally placed his church in that realm. Praise be to God that the same invisible God could come into the individual and make the word visible. But now it's not groom word, it's bride word. Oh my, he said, I wish my church could get that. If you could see, friends, the invisible God made so he was the incarnation of the fullness of the Godhead body according to Colossians 2 9 for in him dwelleth the fullness all the fullness of the Godhead bodily as God incarnate He identified himself with the Father in a special union. I and my Father are one. And when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now this could not be said until after the river when the work of incarnation or your type of receiving the Holy Ghost... to us the true picture of deity in humanity. Listen to this, and from this point on, it's okay if you can't hold set in your seat any longer. If you get hysteria and it hits your feet and it comes to your voice and you scream out, I'll just close, that's fine. Or if you just sit there and cry either way. Jesus was completely, totally man. He could cry 
like a man. He could eat like a man. He could become like a man. He was completely, totally man in his physical being. And in his spirit, he was completely, totally God. So he, oh glory to God, he made his flesh submissive. Lord children, he made his flesh submissive to the spirit that was in him. He acted out. He's the first one. He's the second Adam, the head of the new race. Glory to God, don't you understand what he's going to do on the day of Pentecost? He's going to give birth to more people like himself. He wanted to struggle in his humanity. He wanted to feel that pull. Unlike us, he never sinned. We have, but he never. But he still felt the same pull. And he had to bring his humanity subject to the invisible God that lived in his body. Oh, Jesus. He made his flesh submissive to the spirit that was in him. You see, he was tempted in all manner like as we are. He was man. Not an angel. He was a man. He had desires and temptations just like we do. Angels cannot be tempted by women. God, a spirit, cannot be tempted by women. God, an eternal son, could not be tempted by women. But the Son of God can. <laughs> A coexistent, co-eternal person walking on the earth. And you put a woman in a, in a bad dress and let that woman parade in front of an eternal being. But what if God makes a special creation? So special that it's so human, it can cry human tears, feel human passion, feel human desire. Yet on beyond the veil is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And the human part could feel the pull of temptation. But the God part would keep him from yielding to it. Let's be honest. When we fall short of the glory of God, you know the main reason? Many of you, you battle, would I have the Holy Ghost? Well, if I've got the Holy Ghost, I'll never make mistakes. Where'd you get that at? You'll never get your flesh perfect. That's right. The Holy Ghost inside of us wants to keep us from doing wrong, friends. But think about it. Whenever we slip up and do wrong, the main cause of that, for those of you that are Holy Ghost filled, is because you're not where you need to be in your fellowship with Him that's living inside of you. You spend too much time fellowshipping with the natural things around you or people that pull you down and weight you down and satisfying the desires of the flesh instead of spending that fellowship with him who lives inside of you. 
to that. Notice he was not an angel. He was a man. He had desires and temptations just like we do. The Bible said he did. He was a man, not an angel above temptation. Hebrews 1 said he was 1 and 4 said he was made lower than the angels. He was a man, completely man. I love the way he explains this. God took a complete man to bring a total deliverance. He couldn't have done it with an angel. He couldn't have done it being God's spirit. So God had to take a man to bring a complete deliverance. And he filled him with his spirit. The Holy Ghost was in him without measure. And he was tempted like we are. He was completely God. He proved him when he raised the dead. When he stopped nature, the roaring seas, and the mighty winds. When he spoke to the trees and so forth. They obeyed him. He was God. Inside. Don't you understand what the body change is? It's you turning inside out. (laughs) Glory to God. It's God on the inside you having so much sway over your body. He turns it. He turns you inside out. And you get a body that finally matches your soul. He was God inside. He could have been man. For he was man. But he totally and completely delivered himself as a man into the hands of God for the service of God. So he was fully man and fully God. Now remember this, he had the fullness of the Godhead body. You and I got a portion. He had the complete fullness. Fully man, fully God. I'm a portion. These saints that have gone from us in the last several years, that's a little portion of that light. Another little portion of that light. Another little portion of that light. In one sense of the word, we as a body get weaker every time one of them lights leave. Why? Because we are not the fullness. If I was the fullness, I wouldn't need you. You wouldn't need me. But we need one another. You're a lick, you're a lick, you're a lick, you're a lick. You bring us all together, why do we? We make one pillar of fire. Praise God. Let me find a place to stop. How do you stop in eternity? How do you stop and say, we'll resume next Wednesday night? He was completely man and completely God. He had a complete separate human nature Totally separate from his divine God nature. This is what some of you have spent the majority of your Christian life trying to save. Your old human nature. 
And somehow you figure one day it's going to hit you square between the eyes. And, boy, you're going to be able to perfect this human being. You're wasting your time. God don't want you to perfect your humanity. He wants you to make it subject. The Lord Jesus never spent his life trying to perfect his humanity, but he spent his life keeping it subject to the Father that dwelt in him. Praise God. As a man, he could speak like a man. He could act like a man. He could cry real tears. As a man, he could sit outside the city and groan with a headache. Oh, Oh, Peter asked the guys if they've got any herbs or anything for a headache. Jesus, our next meeting is just, I I can't go. Don't you understand? I can't go. I can't even see. My head's killing me. And they look at one another and say, you've got to be kidding me. This man just raised a boy from the dead. Well, not exactly. It was the father in the man. Did you ever wonder how you can be so high and in 15 minutes so low you could crawl under a concrete block with a 10-gallon hat on and never touch it. So caught up into the realm of God that you feel like you're in heavenly angels. And other times feel like you're riding around on a motorcycle with them other ones. Don't sit there and look at me like a bunch of angels. He was a man, totally, and yet totally God. In so much that he could say, Matthew 24, 36, of the day and the hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven. But my father said, they're asking, said, Jesus, when are you going to come back? He said, I'm not even sure myself. Great. Great. So this is the man in charge of the rapture. This is the man that's coming to get us. This is our background. And he don't even know when he's coming. Let me find a place to bring us out of this circle. As God, he could forgive sins. As a man, he could say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Deity and humanity were so infused in the same tabernacle and yet separate. Infused in such harmony that they work together as one. And yet so separate one could say to the other, If it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. 
Well, let's just go ahead and admit it. The incarnation of the Almighty God is such a mystery. The human mind will never comprehend it. But Eric, let's jump over, if you would, a little bit, a couple pages there. Go beyond uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 19, down to the quote there, Jehovah Jireh, 429, 56. That's the reason people couldn't understand him. Sometime it was Christ speaking, or was the Son, the humanity, speaking, other times, it was the Father speaking. Amen. He was a dual person. <laughs> he was one man, the Son. God was in him, which was tabernacle in him. Notice again, he said, Jesus was born for one purpose, and that was for God to manifest himself through that body. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. He was a body that was made physical that men and women could see what he thought. Glory to God. Don't you see, friend? Don't you see? The bride's message in the end time is so people can see what God thought about a bride. This is why Satan hates this message. Why is it that those who leave this message, why don't they attack Jehovah Witness doctrine? Why don't they attack the Catholic Church? Have we as a message people ever martyred anyone? You know, if anybody around the world that we as message people have ever led them to a stake and burnt them and gouged their eyes out or... And yet the Catholic Church just in one period of their time killed 68 million. And they are still killing spiritually. But why is it that when these message people leave this message, they hate this worse than Catholicism. They hate this worse than witchcraft. It ought to tell you something. A lot of times I use two gauges whenever I want to gauge a sermon that I preach. One of it is your response. Text, email, so on. Oh, it's such a blessing to me. Oh, my, I was so helped. I was so helped. That's a good gauge. I appreciate that, and I need it. Thank you for doing that. But I also watch the gauge of hell. And when I preach something that he don't like, I know I'm going to pay. It'll be one way or another. Oh my, that you know how it is. Boy, you get a blessing on Sunday and morning, Monday morning, look out. Sometimes they don't even wait till Monday morning. Sometimes it's when you get in the car after church. Anyway. But you know what it is? It's hell. Because it wants to break your focus away from what you've heard. When folks leave this message and go to, they don't just attack Brother Branham. They, well, I'm looking for facts. I'm looking for facts. So I'll tell you what, let's do. Let's start in the book of Genesis and see if we can prove anything. Yeah, that's right. Let's not start at the end time message. Let's go back to Genesis. Let's see if we can factually prove there is a God. 
Well, Brother Donnie, Brother Branham said certain numbers, sharing certain different ones there. So that disproves it. Oh, I see. Okay. So that also disproves Kings and Chronicles. Since one book says when Solomon built the baths, it was a certain size, 2,000 baths. And the other one says 3,000. Oh, that ain't that much difference. No, it's just 8,000 gallons. Not really that much. One book says David was the eighth son, and Chronicles says he was the seventh. Can't God keep his numbers straight? And if you don't go through your Bible and do it the same way you do the message, it proves you are a lying hypocrite. You're not out for truth. You're out to destroy the bride's identity. Friends, that ain't just getting it, Brother Branham. The target is current, present day word. Brother Branham's done lived his life. He's gone on and every one of them will meet him on the day of judgment. And he'll stand against them. It's aimed at you. It's aimed at you to pull you away from who you are. Don't even slow down. Keep right on going. I love this statement. He said that men and women could see what he thought and his expressions to people in his gratefulness, his attitude toward all mankind. He expressed it through Christ. Christ seemed to be a dual personality. He would speak sometimes and they'd scratch their heads and they didn't understand him. He'd speak one thing one time look like and said something else another time. What was it? Was Jesus speaking and then Christ speaking? <laughs> you see why Peter was so opaque in his life before the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Most of the time, it was Peter speaking. Now, the father got his way about the revelation of, of who he was. Other than that, it's open your mouth and change feet. So what was it? Peter, 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 Peter. After the Holy Ghost come, then you're able to see the dual personality in Peter's life. Now, he doesn't cuss anymore. Thank God for that. But he still gets up there and takes on the spirit of them Jews that didn't want the Gentiles to be accepted in the bride. A man filled with the Holy Ghost. What was it? Dual. And what did the prophet of God do? Rebuked him to his face. Why? He was an elder. He needed to be rebuked openly. Well, thank you, Jesus. Can you imagine one time it'd be Jesus speaking? And the apostles say, now look, Jesus said so-and-so. He said so-and-so. Praise God. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Careful now. Careful now. Then other times he'd say other things. Say, Didn't he say something different from that yesterday? Friends, that ought to help you. Every one of us are the same way if we got the Holy Ghost. Let me close. What was it? Jesus speaking. Then Christ speaking. Jesus was the man. Christ was the God that was in him. Not me that doeth works with my Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the work. 
Mm-hmm. So can I say it this way and you won't be too bad offended. Donnie Reagan Christ. Wes Willis Christ. Miss Jesus. What is Christ? The anointed one. Where is the anointed one? There ain't no angels on the earth that are anointed ones. It's the bride, his body. We're the true and original bipolars. We're from the North Pole, but we do a lot of South Pole talking. Praise God. Don't you love him? Oh, my goodness, friends. Look. Look how much he loved us. What he was willing to become. Notice he said Jesus right at the end of his ministry. His disciples couldn't understand him. No, no one understood him. I mean that they couldn't understand him. Well, sure, why, why they thought he had a dual personality. In that day, doctors would probably try to put him on some kind of medication. There's something wrong with the guy. No. Sometime it was Jesus talking. Sometime it was the Father in him talking. The Father in me, Brother Dow, can hear this word and look at this word and say, Yes, Papa, that's me. And maybe all of my life I was raised out in the woods in Kentucky as it was in the in the story, the parallel, the story with just a little piece of a mirror tacked out on a tree. And I'd go out there and you remember the story. See my daddy shave and wash his face as it was by looking at that little piece of mirror on the tree. One day my mama took me into my grandmother's house in the city. And I got a taste of city life. And what was a little piece of a mirror tacked on a tree out in the country was a full-length mirror on the door once you get into the city. And I was all lonesome walking in that little house, or that big house rather, and as I looked around, I looked around, and I saw a little boy. And I looked back at the little boy, and I waved him when I did. He waved at me. He had on a gray suit, Caravelli. He had on a, a, a tie like mine, a shirt like mine, part of his hair on the same side. And I looked over at my daddy and said, Daddy, that's me. Praise God. Praise God. Let's it. Oh, Papa, may we move past that little old mirror tacked out on a tree. Lord, do we know the story that Brother Ram told us, and he was relating it back as it was in Kentucky in his days. They would have had that old wash pot out there and, and the snow and the wind and the rain. Hallelujah. Had that little piece of a mirror. He said he'd seen his mama stand out there many of a morning and comb her hair in that broken piece of mirror. Oh, Jesus. 
Father, we believe you desire for us to be under the influence of city life before we ever get to that city. So, Lord, the question is, are we willing tonight to trade that piece of broken mirror tacked on that tree that we know so well? We can only see a little bit of ourselves, and it's so restricted. It's dirty. It's exposed to the elements, the weather. The mirror has lost its ability to reflect our true image, and we see ourselves, and then we see the streaks in the mirror. But are we willing to go into the city, praise God, and trade off that little old mirror tacked on a tree and look on the door. I've always thought it was amazing the way the prophet relayed that story that that mirror, full-length mirror, was on the door. Praise God. It was not in a closet. It was not in a basement. It was on the door. Oh, Jesus, you're our doorway tonight. I believe you're here, Father. If we will just lay aside our little piece of mirror and we'll walk past the door, we won't just see our, our hair, just a little tiny piece where we can maybe brush our teeth. We'll be able to see the full image. A full-length mirror. In the days of justification under Luther and sanctification under Wesley and under Pentecost, they focused on the tongues, which of course we know is the face, the mouth. But Lord God, in the last days, you wanted to restore the full-length mirror. Praise God. It comes with the tongues. It comes with the eyes, the ears, the whole thing. But it also shows the feet, the legs, the thighs, the whole man. Help us tonight, Lord Jesus. May we see that you were so much man that you could cry. Job desired to see what he called a daysman. D-A-Y-S-M-A-N. In the English translation. He said, is there nobody that can go between me and God? Is there no arbitrator? Is there no mediator? Nobody that could lay their hands on God and understand God's complaint against me and lay their hand on me and try to work between us. Is there no daysman? Lord, we know that word means one who sets the appointed day to meet between the two parties. Praise God. It was you and your humanity. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Help us today, Father. Open our understanding, Lord God, I pray. May we see you, and then may we take the next step to see us. No doubt, this will be part of the building blocks that will implement the going away. When she sees who she is. Praise God. He became me.
that I might become Him by grace. Oh, He became me that I might become Him by grace. Hallelujah. Oh, he took crying, suffering, beaten, whipped. I, through his love, could take his. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Me that I And we sing it together again but all of our hearts may God make it real to us tonight oh he
Hallelujah. Praise God. Can't you see what God done after the resurrection? God raised his own humanity from the grave. God has made this same Jesus both Lord and Christ. This same Jesus resurrected humanity, both Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Then what did he do? He raised that quickened humanity. Glory to God. And he raised it up on the throne. <laughs> That's what we're going to see in the millennium. That's what we're going to see in the eighth day, in eternity. There will be the Lord Jesus, God's glorified humanity. God never had a permanent human body until Jesus raised from the dead. Well, glory to God, that ought to make a Presbyterian shout. Because one day that same thing's going to happen to you. Can you imagine in one moment you'll be a human with all your frailty and all your shortcomings. And when the change of the Spirit of God comes over you, your body will be glorified to remain in the presence of God for eternity. Oh, hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you, saints. Let's, let's pray together. I'm going to try to hush. I'll tell you, when we get to talking about this, it's hard for our preacher to shut up. Oh, my. Father, we love you so much. Lord, we don't enjoy talking about ourselves so much. We don't enjoy talking about Starbucks, and we don't enjoy talking about this political party and that one. When we come to church, we want to talk about you and your greatness and how wonderful and you are and your mercy to us. Lord, thank you for your word tonight, Father. I know they'll have to probably hear it again and maybe think about it and ruminate on it, but Lord, I pray if they miss that, that supernatural element of it, of it tonight, may you help them. Maybe the second time, maybe the third time, maybe just while they're thinking and praying over it and all of a sudden you'll just come near them where they are. Praise God. And you'll, you'll quicken it to them. And they'll just see it. They'll be amazed when they see you. How that you will unfold into them. It'll help them to understand your humanity. It'll help them to understand theirs. It'll also help them to understand others. Since that is our greatest problem with each other. My deity does not disagree with anybody else's deity. But my humanity sure does. And Father, we don't need this to be changed back to young people. We got to be changed. We'd still be arguing and disagreeing in heaven if we was all just changed back to young people left in the same humanity. Our humanity has to be glorified. Go with us now, Father. Lord, here we are winter time. Father, flus, sickness, God, all kinds of things going around. We pray in the name of Jesus, you'd be mindful of our people, Lord. Just minister healing to them, would you, Lord God? We love you, Father. Bring us back again. It'd be pleasing to you this weekend as we meet under the auspices of our great mighty God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Go with us now as we go our way. In Jesus Christ's name. Praise God. Don't you love that name tonight? Amen. What a beautiful name it is. How many can say it? It's a beautiful name, is it not? 
God bless you, saints. Go in the fear of God. Sing it for us. Here we go. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is.